Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this place called Grace Valley, Lord God. I love the name of it. And God, we thank you for the grace that will fall in this place this morning, Lord Jesus Christ, the power that will fall in this place this morning. We thank you for your presence that was with us even as we worshiped here this morning, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God, I pray for signs and wonders to walk through this place, through every aisle. You know every need. You know every hurt, pain, and wound, Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that freedom would come about in this place here today. I pray that, God, that grave clothes would be taken off, Lord God. And even as Pastor Kelly sang, God, we declared that dead men would come out of graves today, God, emotionally, spiritually, Lord Jesus Christ, that they would come out of graves, Lord, and that they would step into their greatness and step into the destiny of God and to their Pentecost moment. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said amen. How you doing this morning, Saginaw First, or shall I say Grace Valley? Grace Valley, I love, I love the new name. I'm excited about what's going to happen here. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. We are continuing our journey in Acts, as Pastor Kurt has just mentioned. I'm excited about the word of the God today that the Lord has given to us today and uh, what God is going to do this morning. I want you to prepare your hearts and open up your mind because I believe that the grace of God is going to fall in this place this morning as it already has started to and it's going to continue to reign here as we move forward. Scripture reads as this in Acts chapter 2. We will start and verse 14, it says this, then Peter stood up. That should have just made you clap right there. Go ahead. Go ahead. In a minute, we'll be back here, and you will clap, because Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Man, he's bold. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit and those days, and they will prophesy. I want you to jump all the way down to verse 37 with me. And between these two verses, here's what happens. He leaves this passage of scripture that we just read. He be, Peter begins to, to declare the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the grace that the cross brought us, the power of his resurrection. And then he begins to point out another man of God by the name of King David, I believe there's a reason he specifically points out King David. It is not just because of what King David says. I believe it is because Peter can relate to who King David is and what King David has gone through. So he points out King David, and then we end up here in verse 37 for time's sake. He says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
The promise is for you and your children and for all of you who are far off for whom the Lord will call, uh, for whom the Lord will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Can we give God a hand clap for a reading of his word? Today, I want to talk to you about Peter. And today's message is simply entitled, Peter, His Sermon and His Life. Peter, His Sermon and His Life. Today, I don't want to just talk to you about Peter's sermon. When you hear the word sermon, most of us will shut off and go, well, I'm not a preacher, well, I need to know about a sermon for. That's why I want to talk to you this morning about Peter's life as well. Today, I don't want to just focus on the sermon of Peter. I, want to, I don't want to focus on the sermon that he preached. I want to focus on the life that he lived. Yes, your life is a sermon. It is a message that will be remembered for all times. Not just what you said, but ladies and gentlemen, you will be remembered for how you lived. We read this story and we focus on what? What happened? Man, the fire of God fell. We focus on when. What, where, when did it happen? It, it, it happened at Pentecost. We focused on where. Where did it happen? In the upper room. Man, that's just like the ingredients for powerful things happening. Very seldomly, seldomly do we focus on who God used that day. And today I want to focus on the who. Because I believe that there is deliverance and learning about the person who God used on that day. We often hear the story of the Sermon of Pentecost and how over 3,000 people got saved. But what made the moment so momentous? What made the moment so memorable is not just what God did that day, but who God used that day. What happened was important, but, what, but who it happened through was just as important. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus your camera just a little bit. Focus your camera just a little bit. Zoom in. Get your zooms out. Get your zooms out. Zoom in your camera right there. This, this is a special camera right here. I want you to zoom your camera for just a moment. I want you to take the camera off of the 3,000, and I want you to zoom in on one. I want you to take your camera off of the 3,000, and I want you to zoom in on the man by the name of Peter. Something is happening in this passage of scripture where by human nature we see what happens with the crowd and we get excited about what happened with that crowd. But I'm telling you, if you will take your camera this morning and, and blur out the crowd and focus on the one. God has always done this in scripture. He left the 99 and he zoomed this camera in on one. He left the multitudes as he was preaching one day and he zoomed his camera on one as he sailed across an ocean and calmed the storm and ended up at a place by a man who was being, uh, who was demon possessed by a legion of demons. He zoomed in on one. I'm telling you something can be powerful, can be found in what's happening in the life of one. It was incredible what God did through Peter. But it was just as important when you look at what God was doing in Peter. I've come to tell you this morning 
that while Pentecost was happening on the inside of him, Pentecost was also happening on the inside of him. And that we, as people of God, that the process ought to be the same. That while things are happening on the outside of me, they should only be a sign that something has happened on the inside of me. This is the way Pentecost should happen in your life. Here's what I want you to understand when we look at Peter. God used a broken vessel. God used a broken vessel. We are talking about prophecy coming true, prophecies that have been spoken for years, generations, and God used a broken vessel on that day. The thought of it excites me because it means that God used somebody like me. God used somebody like you. And because we're all broken, he don't have many options. God used broken vessels. This moment at Pentecost had been prophesied. Jesus told a broken vessel by the name of Peter. On this rock, Peter, on this broken vessel, I will build my church. I will launch something special. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, we see this passage of Scripture. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I love the message version of this same passage of Scripture, and I will tie in the message in the Pruitt version of this. But it says, and now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. I love that. You are Peter. You are a rock. Think about that. God sees a broken vessel and calls it a rock. When often when we see ourselves, we don't see a rock. We see broken vessel. Gideon, man of valor, Gideon says, who, me? You think anybody in Scripture, when God came to them, Mary herself, when God came to her, when the angel came to her and told her that she would give birth, you, you think for a moment she thought, who, me? You think when God anointed and called Deborah, you think for just a moment she probably said, who, me? What you talking about, Jesus? <laughs> Guys don't remember that different strokes, Arnold. Flow with me, flow with me. I like to enjoy myself. How many times have you said, God, who? Me? Called you to nations. Who? Me? I've called you to the mission field. Who? Me? I've called you to be the one to stand up and be the light in darkness for your family. I know you were the black sheep in your family. You were the one that they said would never make it, and yet you will be the one that will cut on the lights and their family will come to know Jesus. You will be the ark for your family. <laughs> Who? 
Me? You will be the one that will go back and tell your neighborhood and your friends about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who? Me? This is the rock, the broken vessel on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. You must understand that why Jesus is telling Peter that he will be a rock, that he knows that Peter will act like a stone. He knows it. He knows that Peter is going to fail and fail and fail and stumble and say some crazy things and do some crazy things and cut some people's ears off. Read it. This is good stuff. You got to read this Bible. Some crazy stuff in there. He knows this. And yet, he calls Peter. Key point, verse 14, back in the book of Acts chapter 2. I told you you should clap there. And that point was simply there. Yeah. The key point is this. Peter stood up. He stood up. Why is standing so important? And why is the fact that Peter stood so important? We must take a stroll back down memory lane in order to understand this. Why it's so important that Peter would stand up on the day of Pentecost and that Peter would be the person that God, the broken vessel that Jesus would choose to use that day to release the anointing and the spirit of God in the earth that it would fall upon the sons and daughters of men. We must understand we got to go way back through Peter's life. We got to go way back. I'm talking past, back, back past uh, bell bottoms, afros, rotary phones bucket seats and classic cars, you got to go way, way back. Got to go way back from when mama used to sit the Crisco in the can on the stove and when you need it, you just put it on us and some of you don't know nothing about that. <laughs> same grease for the bacon was the same grease for the pork chops. <laughs> same grease for the chicken. It was all the same grease. It all tastes the same. Got to go way back to understand why is so important? Jesus called him to drop his nets. Let's start there and to follow him. Do you understand this? That Peter was unworthy and he was broken right then and there. And do you understand that when Jesus calls us, he understands that we are unworthy and we are broken vessels right then and there. And yet it never stops him from calling us. Jesus knew that Peter, at that moment, when he saw that fisherman, that foul-mouthed fisherman, because remember, when Peter was denying Christ, remember the Bible tells us, he, he cut some people out. The Bible says that. He told people to leave him alone. Jesus walks up to this guy, this fisherman that he knows is going to have ups and downs, ups and downs. He's a broken vessel, and Jesus walks up to him and says, you, follow me. And what does Jesus know at that moment, Mike? What he knows at that moment is this. This man right here will be used on the day of Pentecost. He knows it right now. 
He knows your life right now. The moment he called you, he formed you in your mother's womb. He knew you. He shaped you. He formed you. He breathed life into you. He breathed destiny into you. And he knew your ups, downs, failures, brokenness, and all. And yet, Jeremiah chose you. Who, me? Who? Me? Yeah, you. Jesus called you. And just like he called Peter that day, knowing, oh man, look at that beautiful broken vessel. He has no idea that someday, the Spirit of God is going to fall on his life. He's going to open his mouth. And this time, something stupid is not going to come out. This time, a prophecy that has been given for generations will flow through a broken vessel, and it will fill the earth. And from that place, and from that broken vessel, and from that man who doubted himself, and from that man who had all types of self-doubt in his life, and from that man who came from a broken family, and from that person who did this and who did that and did that wrong and did this wrong and did this wrong and did that wrong. Who, me? Yeah, you. Notice that as Christ it's speaking to him, he already knows, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for who, me? Yeah, you. And all your mistakes, Jeremiah 29, 11 has not changed. You don't hear Christ saying, yeah, you know, I used to say, for I know the plans I have for you. But have you read it lately? It's changed. Now it says, for I changed the plans that I have for you. I used to have plans for you. No, if you read it today and if you read it tomorrow, it will read the same. Let me help you understand where Peter was at and what he knew. Peter was there when Jesus raised the little girl back from the dead. Peter was there when Jesus was walking on the water. And as a matter of fact, he stepped out of the boat and walked on water with Christ. Peter was there when Jesus delivered the demoniac from the legions of demons. Peter was there, and he was the first person to declare that Jesus was the Son of God. Peter was there, and he rebuked Jesus, got a little bit crazy, rebuked Jesus, said, Jesus, you can't die. I rebuked that in your name. <laughs> Peter was there, and he declared that he would give his life for Jesus. Peter, along with John and James, were there on the Mount of Transfiguration where there was Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. He, Peter was there. But matter of fact, it was an angel who came at the resurrection and told one of the Jesus followers, go tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus is alive. Now notice this. Notice that they say, go tell the disciples and Peter. Why is Peter so special that you get an and Peter from an angel? Let me tell you why that's there. I believe because God knew the guilt, the shame, and the condemnation that his son Peter was living under. Remember everything I just told you he saw? He was there. And yet he's the man who denied Christ. He denied Christ. The Bible says he ran away and he wept bitterly after denying Christ. 
three. The other person who did it was Judas. They were guilt-ridden. There was shame. There was condemnation. I am assuming Peter would have felt like he was not worthy. And yet an angel shows up and says, you tell them that Jesus has risen, but I need you to make sure Peter gets here. Because when I found him and he was fishing, I knew the plans I had for him. Pentecost is coming. I knew he blew it sitting by the fire, standing at a distance as the Savior was being led to the cross. Pentecost is coming. I have a plan for him. I know he denied me three times before the rooster crowed, but I need you to tell Peter, Pentecost is coming. And I know the plans I have for him. I still plan on using him greatly. I've come to this morning, and I've been praying about this message. I've got a goal this morning. My goal is to rescue somebody this morning who, like Peter, you just, just, and it's all of us, we just stumble. We're just doing the best we can do, and we stumble, and we make mistakes, and we say the wrong thing, and we do the wrong thing, and we make promises to God, and, we, and sometimes we keep them, and sometimes we don't, and, and then we get up, and we look real spiritual, and then we do something, and we find out we ain't that spiritual. Then we stand up, and we look real mature, and then you find out you ain't that spiritually mature. God is always sending things to rub you, shape you, fashion you. But that also means to reveal. And, and in that process, if you are not careful, shame seeps in. Condemnation seeps in. And like Peter, you find yourself I'm not worthy to be with the other disciples. I'll, I'll just go, I'll go sit by the fire. And now my physical location is telling you about my spiritual relationship. Have you ever found yourself where where you're at physically will tell you everything about where you're at spiritually? Adam, where are you? Where he was at physically told you everything about what was going on spiritually. And that day in Peter's life, the rooster crowed. And when the rooster crowed, Scripture tells us that there was Jesus' eyes. Peter wept. And why did he weep? Shame. Condemnation. Guilt. Self-doubt. Oh, I know there's some people here, you're way too spiritual to ever experience shame. Thank you, brother. I know some of us are way too spiritual to ever experience and have to battle the enemy who tries to talk you into doing wrong and then condemns you after you do it. 
That's his gig right there. He talks you into it, and then he condemns you. He t- you should do it. Just do it. Eat, just, just, take, just eat the fruit. Go ahead. <gasps> Why did you do that? <laughs> That's what he does. But if you're too spiritual and those things have never happened to you, then all you got to do is be human, and you'll doubt yourself comes with the fall of man. Self-doubt. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what does he come to steal? He's come to steal often just your confidence to accomplish the call of God on your life. Can I get practical in this place? I want to help somebody. This ain't spiritual stuff. This is practical stuff. He will come and try to talk you out. You can be full of Pentecost power, full of the potential of God, full of ability. And all he's got to tell you is you could never do that. And if you believe it, you will never do that. Who? Me? Yeah, you. Peter, struggling. Who God has called him to be. Let me tell you what happens on this day. Sweetheart, can you bring me that? This is the same Peter who ends up at Pentecost. And while he's at Pentecost, we like to think that Peter was a gentleman who was so righteous and dressed in white self-righteous person, this mighty prophet who stood at Pentecost and began to preach the gospel and people got saved and he went to the cross and people got saved at the cross. You just found out where my roots were. I, I can go there too. I can go there too. I will get Pastor Kelly on this organ and we will go to work. <laughs> we will go to work. What with Pastor Kelly? She said, <laughs> she said, she said, you gotta get James for that. We'll get <laughs> what with James? Yeah, all right. <laughs> I do not believe that that day the picture of Peter is what most of us think it was. This man <laughs> dressed in white and he stood dripping with anointing oil falling all off of him. Remember what he did. Remember how he failed. I think it probably looked a little bit more I think Peter had to have an angel specifically say, go get the disciples and Peter, because all of heaven knew the shame he was living under. I think Peter's a lot more like us than we want to admit. Sometimes I blow it. 
Sometimes I have to wrestle off the guilt and the shame. Sometimes I find out how human I am. Sometimes I have to ask the question, God, who? Me? Let me tell you what Pentecost really is. It is not just a moment of power. It is actually a moment of power and grace. And I don't know about you, but that gets me emotional. Because power is hitting 3,000 people or more. Power is in the room, obviously. So power's hitting the crowd while grace is falling on Peter. God, if I'm going to change the world, I need grace to follow me. So power will fall on them. Shame will stop that. Guilt will stop that. Now see Peter for who he is. Now understand when scripture says, and Peter stood up. And Peter stood up with the guilt, the shame, the disappointments, the condemnation. Peter stood up. It was not an easy stand. It had to be a stand full of weight. Ah! I've got something to say. I know you saw me deny Christ. Then he preached about what Christ did in his life. And he said, I'm not sitting down no more. I'm standing up. Picture, cat and the lion. Something happened that day. And it was a powerful moment. And that powerful moment was simply this. You ever feel like this? Me on my way to talk to God? And me coming back from after talking with God? Yeah. Let me give you four things really quickly that happened that day. Number one, power fail. What happens when power falls? How do we define power? I define power as when something small changes something great. My daughter, Destiny, when she was little, my daughter, Brianna, her big sister was in the back seat. They were all strapped in in our minivan because that was when we had to redefine cool. The minivan was cool. I said, I'd never get one. I said, that will never be in my driveway. Kid after kid start coming. And you go, you know, those minivans don't look that bad, you know? <laughs> and then little Destiny, Brianna would always tell us, Mom, Dad, Destiny. So we'd be like, hey, don't bother us. We're driving. She's like, yeah, but Destiny, hey, don't bother us. We're driving. And then we realized what Brianna was trying to tell us. Destiny was three or four years old with a pair of safety scissors in the back of the minivan, 
cutting all the seatbelts out of the minivan. Power is when something little changes something big. My four-year-old child took a $30,000 mini, $30, minivan and rendered it powerless. I said, oh, it's time to trade that in. Time to trade that in. Here you go. <laughs> Quickly. You have power. I was doing a sermon service, traveling and speaking, as I did for years. Gentleman's at the service, and as I walk by, he falls to the floor. Deliverance starts happening. I'm just walking by. He starts levitating off of the ground. I know what my eyes have seen. He's levitating off of the ground. Deliverance is happening. Power's in the room. Grace. Number two, what is grace? Grace is when you get something you do not deserve, you do not earn, and you can never repay it. Grace. And when grace and power meet, something special happens. When the lady touched the hem of his garment, power and grace met and something special happened. When Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, power and grace met and something special happened. Number three, the anointing. I've come to tell you Daughters and sons of God, you are anointed. William Seymour was his name, an anointed man of God, a broken vessel that power and grace had an encounter with and left us with something we now call the Azusa Street Revival. And last but not least, salvation. Here's reality. You and I, we know Christ because power and grace met somewhere and something special happened. For time's sake, I want us to bow our heads in this room right now. We're going to get you out of here. But let me finish this business. If you are here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed and you say, Brian, I do not know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And Brian, I am so tired of sitting when I can stand just like Peter did. If you're here this morning and you want to know Jesus Christ, maybe you're online and you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Right around this, through this, throughout this room, right here, right now. Would you just raise your hand in Jesus' name? You said, today's my day. Praise God. Who else is that? I see that hand. I see that hand. Who else is that? Who else is that this morning? You said, today is my day. Praise God. Good, good, good. Anyone else? Praise God. I see that. Yeah. I want you all to repeat after me right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I see that hand, brother. Hands are still going up in this room. When we all say this prayer together, say, Lord God, I ask that you would come into my heart. I believe 
that you rose. I believe that you died. I believe that you conquered death, hell, and the grave. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give them a hand clap. Last thing, maybe like Peter and myself, it's just life. But God uses broken vessels. And you're tired of sitting as if you don't know them. And you're saying like Peter, I'm ready to stand. If that's you, you might be sitting now. But you stand. Just stand. You say, I'm ready to stand. I'm ready to stand. God, use me. I'm a broken vessel. Use me. I'm ready to stand, God. I'm ready to stand. God, you see all these broken vessels. Look across the room. See the broken vessels. Look up in the, the balcony. See the broken vessels. It's okay. Because either we're going to pour the glory of God out or it's going to leak out. But it's getting out. God, we ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would take us, the shattered pieces, the broken pieces and all, Lord God, and that you would use us this morning, Lord Jesus Christ. That, God, we would not leave what you have poured out in this place, in this place, but that we would take it with us, Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that the grace, Pentecost, is not just the place of power. It is the place where grace met power and lives were changed. Now God, I pray that grace meets power in this room and that we would be changed forever in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's sing this song as we close.
to go back to our old life. We have new life in a new covenant with the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. And we get to give him all the praise. It is not in our own strength. It is in him alone. I want to encourage you. Who, me? Come on, who's going to go out here going, who, me? Yes, you. God has a plan for your life. He watches over you, your home, your family. I pray that you go from this place in the blessing of the Lord, knowing that he is walking with you. And it doesn't matter what is in our past. He sets us free. And he gives us the ability to walk in his grace, his grace, his grace, and his power. In Jesus' name, we look forward to seeing all of you back here next Sunday as we celebrate 100 years of God's faithfulness and grace and mercy. Know this, that as you leave this place today, Almighty God walks with you. Pastor Brian, thank you for an incredible word. Can we give Pastor Brian a huge thank you, sir? What an awesome message. What an awesome word today. Go in the power and the praise. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Be blessed today.